All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining in to Hobby Time. This is Keith. I go by DirkNashty_Pod underscore pod on Instagram. Uh, you can reach me there anytime or DirkNashtyPod at gmail.com. So this is Monday morning, April 24th. Nathaniel and I recorded an episode on Thursday afternoon, so four days ago. And since then, several of the, uh, of the comments and, and takes on the, on the playoffs and everything have gotten a little bit stale already. So I want to go ahead and get this out. I haven't had any time to, to edit like, I, like I'd like, so I'm just going to give it to everybody. I'm just going to give it to you raw. So, uh, yeah, that's where we're at. We hit on a bunch of stuff. We hit on a bunch of uh, uh, card things. We, we talked about, again, the playoffs. We even, at the end, talked about some, some, TV, some TV talk and even some board game stuff. So had a great, uh, great conversation and really excited to, to share it. So I hope you enjoy. Thank you. So Nathaniel, how's it going? I'm good. How are you doing, Keith? I am good. Has have you been up to anything new? Um, I got a really awesome card in the mail today. All right, what's that? Well, I think as anyone would expect, the player in question is Keith Van Horn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I got for the longest time I've wanted to get a '97. EX 2001 Jambalaya card. I always want to say Jambalaya because I'm hungry, I guess. But uh, anyway, Jambalaya. And it is, we've talked about this set before. You're, you're not a big fan of the Christmas colors. It is really cool in person, I got to say. It's got this, uh, I think they call it lenticular design to it. And it, it looks like super deep for some reason. Like there's depth to the green and red part. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting looking. Awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. And it was an SGC nine, which for a die cut card, pretty great. I'm very curious. I don't think we'll, we're ever going to know, but I would like to know what the print run of this card was because it was one in 720 packs. And I think there were 15 cards in the set. So that has to be low, but, but we don't know what it is. Interesting. I wonder if it's something we could put some, some thought into. Yeah, I don't know how you would do it because you could look at like grading. Pops, but I think it's the kind of card where you'd look at the Jordan and the, it's been resubbed a million times to try to get higher grades. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure how you would do it. Is it well, let's uh, let's think about it. Is there any any serial numbered? Yeah, the credentials, but they don't have a pack odds. Yeah, and they're strangely serial numbered. But I think there's a total of 80 per player or something. Well, I don't know. Well, we'll I'll, I'll sit down one day and put some thought into it. I, I don't know if we'll come up with anything, but we can try. Okay. At what least... about you? I got one other, I guess I thought of one other thing. I've got a, since we're talking 90s, I got my, finally bought a, a Intense from Skybox Emotion 1994 of Michael Jordan. So that's on its way to me right now. That's a card I've been eyeing ever since I got back into this. Yeah. Yeah. This is one that you put me onto. I think I have a... Uh... I don't know if it's the Jason Kidd or maybe even like an Eddie Jones or something. I, I can't remember, but I, I'm pretty sure I have one. It's a really cool card. Yeah, it's got this like gold, super shiny thing. It's not really super scarce. It's I think it's one in 18 packs, but it's such a beautiful card that it's, uh, especially the Jordan's value is is more than you would expect for a not super scarce uh, uh, insert set. It's funny, I because this is not the thing that I have or not the stuff that I had typically looked at until pretty recently, but I also was, you know, you told me that you were bidding on it, and I I was also looking at a Jordan Intense thing. Mine was, a, the one I was looking at was a CSG 9.5, I think, and it went for about 250, I believe. Yeah. But yeah. This... Mine, I think mine was a, was it a PSA 9 maybe? That doesn't seem right. Anyway, it was something like that that I got for a little over $200, which was, by far the best comp I could see. Oh, it was an SGC nine. Um, anyway, I was happy with it, uh, but it means that I need to try to have some self control with uh, card <laughs> purchasing for a little bit. Yeah, a jambalaya, a jambalaya, and a Jordan intense. I think those are two really cool gets. They had a pretty good week. Yeah. What about yourself? Yeah, I've been doing a lot too. I um, well, I got my first through the mail, my first and only through the mail auto back. Yeah, I saw this picture. It's beautiful. Yeah, I need to post it still. But uh, yeah, it's a, so it's a Dirk. Um, I've, I went, you know, I've got a whole bunch of Dirk cards. I've got some rookies and stuff. And I, 
was kind of going back and forth and trying to find like what would it look the coolest on and i've always liked the all of the cards that have like like the panini threads and stuff like that all the ones that have sort of the jersey that year i think it's kind of a cool like history historical sort of marker you know just here's the jersey and it's just a cool backdrop for a card so i have a 2016 panini complete home jersey of dirk it's just a white card with like a the white outline of his jersey and he, and he signed it in blue pin and everything it was or blue sharpie it's a uh, it's super cool i've got it like front and center of my dirt collection right now yeah i i think mine looks awesome but i think yours looks even better somehow the the autograph is seems bigger and bolder on yours yeah it looks really great yeah, yeah, that that was really fun to get back. I I had my my wife didn't know I sent it off, so I had uh I had her open the letter, and uh you know like inside the cardboard I like wrote a note to Dirk and and stuff, and she got to read all read all that. She's like, you sent this? I said, yeah. What did you think? She's like, that's cool. That's awesome. Am I? I'm looking at it. Does his autograph go off the card onto the cardboard? Yeah, just slightly on the on the left side. Yeah. Uh-oh, auto, auto grade nine now. <laughs> yeah, okay. This is not going for great. Just, this is being put in a, in a mag holder and displayed on the shelf. Like, that's why I didn't, you know, this is not a valuable card by any means. I just thought it would look really cool. And in the end, I just, that's, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted out of the, out of the request. So yeah, it's awesome. Well, and now it is a little bit valuable. A little bit. And so yeah, I got that. That was, that's the most exciting thing I've been doing. I've been doing a lot of other stuff too. I don't know if I shared on the podcast, but I, no, I think I did. The, did I, have I ever, I don't know. I got a 2009, uh, Steph Curry Panini, uh, rookie 357 SGC 10. I think we talked about it with John. I, I don't know if we did. Uh, maybe we did. Yeah. I think we did. Cause you got it off of eBay, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh here's another thing that I, that I got recently. Actually, I got two of them. So we, we talked about the cards we'd save in a fire. My, my, I think it was my number one. I kind of cheated and said, you know, my 1996 tops SGC trio, right? The Allen Iverson, Kobe Bryant and Steve Nash, um, SGC tens. Yeah. Well, after that, I, I kind of learned and I, it's funny. I just talked about how I liked the, the idea of the jersey being the backdrop, backdrop of the card. I just learned that in 96, there was this Flair Ultra fresh faces insert set. Yeah. And, uh, and it's got, it's a die cut of the jersey and I've, I've already gotten the Nash in and the Iverson. Now I'm just kind of waiting to find a, a Kobe that works in the, in the price range I'm looking for. Well, that's awesome. I don't, I think I knew you had the Nash, but I didn't know you got the AI. I came in today. That's awesome. Graded or raw? What'd you go on these? Yeah, on these I'm going raw, which, which is interesting because I tried to put this in a, in a one touch also, but it's a little bit taller than, than most cards and it actually didn't fit. So. Oh, interesting. I gotta figure out if I'm, I guess I'm just gonna show it in top loader and that's, that's cool with me too. Yeah. Well, those are cool. Yeah. I like them. They usually have pretty cool pictures too. Yeah. Yeah. I like them. The net, and it's funny too, not funny, but they used, um, it's so like for the Sixers, it's in the red jersey. The, or the card is in the red jersey. The picture of Iverson himself is actually in a, the white, the white uniform, but the Nash is in the, the black Suns jersey, which I don't, I can't even picture a black Suns jersey right now. Yeah, I mean, it was from that time. I remember, you know, like, I remember seeing some, like, black Barkley jerseys and stuff around school and everything. That's awesome. Those are fun. On Back to your Curry, this is the rare time when I prefer Panini over other companies because for some reason all the Upper Deck and Tops cards from that year, Curry isn't wearing the Warriors jersey, which to me looks weird. Like, he's wearing the white T-shirt and the Tops cards, and he's got on the, um, I can't think, Davidson in the Upper Deck ones. Um, so I, I definitely am with you on preferring the Panini rookie cards to the, the other companies that year. I think it's right at the time, like right around the time they got the license. Um, and it must have stopped for upper deck and, and tops, but they were still making, making cards. They're still considered officially licensed, but I feel like they had to like rush them out or something. So they didn't have even photo shoot pictures yet. Oh, interesting. Cause they're considered, they're, those are rookie cards of his, like the, for yeah. some reason, the dumb tops card is is one of his most valuable ones. Um, so yeah, they are rookie cards, but they to me they don't look nearly as cool as with the Warriors jersey. Yeah, I, I um I've been wanting this one for a long time. I it's not the most valuable, but 
I just like it. It's a cool picture, and like you said, it's in the Warriors jersey and everything. And I thought that was that was important to me. So yeah, pretty. That's awesome. Um, we've both been doing some cool stuff. I the one other thing I should mention on the through the mail thing is I, um, I've been for a while circling the Lenny Wilkins 1961. You know how I feel about that set. Yep. Um, and I got a, I think it was an SGC five for a really good price, like significant, significantly cheaper than I've seen PSA fours go for since then. Anyway, so I cracked that out of the case, <laughs> sent it off to Lenny and he got it back to me within a week and it's just got a beautiful signature on it. I'm, I'm very happy with it. It's one of my best ones so far, I would say. Yeah, that's, that's pretty neat. Now, did, didn't you, would, do you want to share the other thing that happened um, with your through the mail? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this one, I don't, well, I have a couple. Uh, Artist Gilmore is my second guy now to sign the cardboard that I, uh, put the cards within. Um, so I have a <laughs> autograph of Artist Gilmore on a piece of cardboard. Uh, and that cost me $10 because he, he has a fee, which is, is fine, but it was disappointing that a fee guy turned out that way. Um, and then Elvin Hayes costs $20 and I sent his rookie card. I cracked it out of my, I think I had like a PSA two or three, um, but it actually looked really good. So I'm sad to lose this card because he sent me back a totally different card somehow. He <laughs> sent me back this tiny, it's kind of a cool card, but I, I still wish I had the one I originally sent, but it's a 1968 Jack in the Box set. I've heard about these. Uh, I don't know how they were distributed or anything, but it, it's really tiny. Um, so somehow I ended up with that. He he got his uh, envelope switched. That's uh that's really funny. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. So now, unfortunately, now I have an Elvin Hayes rookie card search going in eBay to try to fix this problem. Yeah, well, I hope I hope you get it and uh, and are able to you know feel good about the 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 card that you lost and replace. And so you haven't looked up the Cracker Jack. Um, sorry, the Jack in the Box. I've looked it up a little bit. It's not like super valuable or anything, but I've I haven't looked up um no I haven't looked up the history of it at all. I've looked on eBay a little bit to see if what I have is the standard one, and it seems to be. Well, you'll have to keep me updated on that. I think that's uh I, you know I'm sorry that it that it happened to you, but I gotta say I was laughing pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. I should ask uh Wax Museum Kyle about this. He would he would definitely know all about it about the crack the Jack in the Box thing. Yeah, I bet he would. I didn't even know Jack in the Box existed back then. I, it's it's funny seeing those things, like especially how, well, so many cards from back then, and I'm not an expert in this by any means, but just are branded, right, with different brands and like McDonald's releasing cards and all, all kinds of crazy stuff. But I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. If I had actually owned and purchased that Jack in the Box card instead of having it swapped out for a rookie card. I was saying, uh, did you see in the Discord I sent you a video of the Jambalaya? Did you see I, that? I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but okay. yeah. You should watch it. It it, uh, it shines brightly. All right, what else were we going to talk about today? I forget. Well, just real quick. I mean, we don't have to get deep on anything, but have you been watching any basketball? Some. I always forget that, like, basketball happens in the evenings, which is my time to hang out with my wife. <laughs> so like during the regular season, I often watch the games later, like in the mornings or something. Uh, but that doesn't work as well in the playoffs because the a lot of the excitement of it is watching it live. So I've been watching what I can, but um, not as much as I would like to. Yeah, I've, I've got the same, same kind of deal going on. So my wife and my cousin and I basically are playing board games essentially every single night and we play at the, at the kitchen table and there's one seat at the table where you get a really good view of the TV. So I try to rush there so I can like, we play music while we, while we play. So we, we're listening to music. So, I, but I put the games on mute and, and then for the, the West Coast games, the late games, most of the time we're done and I can watch most of the second half or so. So I've been seeing a lot of, a lot of Kings Warriors and like all the, all the games on the West Coast. Well, those are kind of the best ones to watch anyway. I would say the East Eastern Conference, other than Cleveland and New York, doesn't interest me too much for this first round. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's funny. So you know, my wife uh, is a like enjoys going to Mavericks games, and I would say is a basketball fan, but she's certainly not following it, and she's not sitting down to watch games that aren't the Mavs and stuff. But I did put on the the Knicks Cavs once. And she was like excited to see Jalen Brunson, long as hair was, and all that stuff. 
Um, so that was that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, my wife doesn't watch basketball with me at all, which is fair. Um, yeah, the it's been kind of exciting. Do you have any thoughts on the playoffs so far? No, it's just it's you know it's only two games for I guess all the series now are through two games, so n- nothing nothing really standing out. I mean, some pretty standard stuff. Road teams winning, you know, home teams coming back and taking care of game two, and you know, and even even like with Warriors Kings, I mean, I, it definitely the Kings have looked like a way better team, but I don't know. I mean, we still hadn't gone to to still hadn't made it back to the Chase Center yet, and so you know, until they lose there, like I'm not, I don't want to say I'm not concerned. I don't actually have a dog in the fight, but I mean I, they. They had a wide open Andrew Wiggins three point shot to win the game in the first game. So yeah, it's been, been pretty close. How do you feel about the Draymond suspension? Do you, it seems like that's a big talking point these days. I sort of, for me, it seems a little bit over the top to me to suspend him, but, um, but I can see it too. I, I don't, I'm not upset about it one way or the other, but I, I think I would have leaned toward he shouldn't be suspended. I think I'm probably in the same, same boat as you. I mean, he was ejected. Yeah. I think all that makes sense. I, a suspension, I don't know. I mean, I heard, I saw Joe Dumars' comments or, or whatever that, you know, it's kind of like a culmination of prior act. I do think total conspiracy theorists, like I, I wouldn't know this at all, but I do think like his actions while they're reviewing it, while the commissioner was in the house and he's just egging on the crowd and stuff, like probably didn't help at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's very much Draymond. Speaking of conspiracy theories, it's it's interesting. There's all these like competing conspiracy theories you can have. I guess Joe Dumars worked for the Kings for the last several years. I wasn't aware of that, but I heard that today. But then on the other side of things, he was like a mentor to Draymond when he was young. So, and there's like this interview where Draymond talks about Joe Dumars as a father figure to him. So, uh, basically any side you want to be on, you can you can find a <laughs> conspiracy theory related to Joe Dumars and Draymond Green. I had heard about their relationship. I had not heard about the, the thing about him working with King, but yeah, that's interesting. It's funny. Yeah. I kind of forgot, like, Joe Dumars was the architect of those Pistons teams. I wonder, did he just sort of get outdated with how, uh, modern basketball is or what happened? Cause he was like a celebrated general manager back then. Yeah. I kind of forgot that too. Yeah. Anyway. I, I have a couple of sports cards thoughts about, uh, the playoffs. Can I yeah. run through that real quick? Um, I think that Trey Young, usually in this position, this would totally be the kind of player that I'm like, oh, everyone hates him right now. This is an amazing time to buy his cards. But I, I kind of think maybe we're just finding out you can't really win with Trey Young. And so I don't foresee myself looking at Trey Young cards at all. But usually this would be the kind of guy where I'm like, when everyone else is buying, I don't know, whatever, Kawhi as he's going into superhuman mode. Um, I'd be looking at Trey Young, but, but I don't think I'll be doing that with Trey Young. Yeah. It's been, I've been saying for a while that I'll, that I like Trey and all that stuff. And, uh, it's getting, it's getting a lot harder to really defend that in any way. I mean, he's a great, he's, he's a good offensive player and he's just, he's not the kind of guy you can have on the court, like leading a team. I don't think in the playoffs. Yeah. And maybe his three point shooting last year was a little bit of an outlier because. What he did this year matches every other year in his career being kind of a low 30s guy. I mean, admittedly, he takes really difficult ones. So, of course, if he had a smaller role, he could shoot them better. But but he's not a Steph Curry in that regard. No, not at all. I think it's been – well, it's something that I don't think anyone really has misconceptions about anymore, or at least not most sharp people that you talk about. But it's, it has been around with him for a long time, like that people thought he was this knockdown shooter, and it's just not – it's really never been the case. Yeah. Last year, I think – was more so, but no other, no other season. Other thought, I think Triple J looks kind of amazing. Like I, I posted on the Discord jokingly that, uh, Grizzly's second best player is injured after the jaw thing happened and no one responded or commented. It was just like, yeah, their second best player is injured. Um, I don't know if I really believe that, but I think it might actually be true. Uh, watching him in that first game was pretty incredible. And I know, I know he fouls a lot and he's gotten hurt a lot in the past, but I'm, I'm more optimistic about Jaron Jackson than I've ever been. Yeah, yeah, he's looking he's looking great. I actually wanted to do something about Jaron Jackson uh today when we talk, but did you did you have other thoughts on on hard stuff? Uh just quickly, Kawhi, I I'm a Kawhi guy, so I love that he's back to looking legit like a top 5 player in the NBA. 
Do you think that's true? Am I going, am I hyperbolic to say at this moment he's playing like a top five player? I think at this moment he probably is. I don't think I would call him that at right now. Maybe, maybe if we see it for the whole playoff series and, and, you know, his team makes it through and stuff, but I don't think I'm ready to say like he's, he's back to being, to being that, but right now he's definitely playing like that for sure. I heard some stat that he's scored 30 or more points in 17 out of 29 playoff games or something like that. I think he's just an incredible playoff performer. Love the guy. I mentioned to you the other day, I'm a little, I'm a big Evan Mobley guy, but I'm a little worried about his offensive game the more I watch him in the playoffs. I I think the Cavs will beat the Knicks. Maybe not as easily as I thought going into it, but um, he does look pretty rudimentary on offense sometimes. So I think uh, I should uh, temper my enthusiasm about him a little bit just because real life he's incredible but i'm not sure with the things that people love in the hobby i don't know if he's ever going to be there yeah I, I yeah as far as hobby hobby stuff goes like i don't i don't know that that was ever really in the cards unless he's like straight up leading his team to championships you know and and you can leave you can lead on defense to a championship that's that's fine too as long as you're doing something offensively and I, he definitely has like some offensive game but i would agree with you. We talked about one play where, I mean, he was kind of like going at, it was sort of late clock. I think there's maybe seven or eight seconds left. He tried to get uh, Randall down at the block, and then he just got pushed out and pushed out and pushed out until he was taking like a fadeaway from near the near the three point line, and it was like, that was awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like no uh, heft or strength yet. Yeah, and obviously he can probably add some of that. Like he's still super young, but. um you know, I think for him to be super relevant in the hobby, he needs to have like a Kevin Garnett kind of offensive game, and and I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But I mean, that's the analogy that you're you're hoping for, right? Because I think he does have that kind of defense, but I'm not sure if the offense can get there. I, I guess maybe I think of him more as like more of like an AD type defender. I mean, I don't I don't know if I can really even articulate the difference between Kevin. Garnett. Yeah, what is the difference? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I guess. In my mind, and I don't know if this is true or not, right? I can't, I can't like imagine Kevin Garnett playing defense play by play right now. But in my mind, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, yeah. I don't know. If- I actually think more Garnett to me. Like I think he's a uh, not that AD isn't awesome at everything on defense, but I think Mobley maybe what he's best at is that he can switch onto anyone and play perimeter defense as well as interior defense and and uh, kind of be that. Uh, help side defender, kind of like Robert Williams. But uh, anyway, I sort of view Garnett like that instead of being the anchor like a like a Rudy Gobert. Okay, um, you know, it's like my my in my head, it, it's it's totally switched. So I, I need to, this is making me think now. I need to go back and watch some uh, some KD defensive highlight. Yeah, or I, or I'm wrong, and I'm it's possible that I'm viewing it differently. But yeah, I think we're kind of saying the same things, but not sure <laughs> about the KG analogy. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's interesting uh, is, or not interesting, but, you know, I actually made a bet on the Cavs. Oh, yeah. I remember you saying that. What was it? What were the odds? It was, uh, I think I got it at plus 4200 So I put $100 on, I, I don't bet ever. Um, so like, this is not my thing per se. I was just, like, looking at all the teams and their, you know, efficiency ratings and stuff. Like, it's total... It, they're a lot, it's a long shot, right? I certainly don't favor them to win the East or anything like that, but at 40, basically 42 to one, I felt like it was, if you played this playoffs 42 times, I feel like the Cavs would certainly win maybe once. Well, I don't know, certainly. Yeah. So do they have to win the championship for you to win that bet or how does that work? But I figure if they're coming out of the East, they have a decent shot at winning the championship. No, I, I agree that that first game scared me because I was, yeah. I was sure they were going to win in five. Um, I, I don't believe in the Knicks, but I'm thinking it looks more like a seven game series, which doesn't bode that well for them. Yeah, I totally, I mean, and again, just to be super clear, it's not like I think they're the best team or anything like that. I just thought the odds were too good. Well, and net rating wise, they are one of the best teams. I I mean, I think that means something. I, I do think playoff experience is a different thing, but statistically they were one of the top teams. Yep. While we're talking about the Cavs, you mentioned in our chat the other day you think um, Michael Porter Jr. might have the prettiest jump shot in the NBA, which I don't disagree with. But I just wanted to put a vote out there for Darius Garland. He, more than, I feel like more than anyone other than maybe Steph, when he shoots a three-pointer, it just like has this great arc and then just goes like 
perfectly dead center swish when he makes them. <laughs> they just always look so automatic when he's making his threes. Yeah. Um, I don't think I responded to that, but yeah, he's got a great shot. It yeah. Looks, looks nice. I feel like he needs to shoot it more. Like he's, he's such a good shooter. Okay. That was all my, um, playoff, uh, somewhat card related thoughts. Well, all right. So a while ago, you and I, we, we went through some kind of current players just, just as sort of a fun exercise and, uh, compared them to, to guys back in the nineties or, you know, of a, of a prior era. I wanted to do that with a couple of players. I, I threw out, um, to you before this, Jaron Jackson Jr. And I think, I think you gave me, uh, Devin Booker. So I was curious. Did you have a chance to, to put in, to like think about that at all? I did. I looked at it. I, I didn't spend maybe as much time as I would like to, but I, I did come up with a Devin Booker comp. Since he's your favorite player, I thought we should probably discuss. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Let's hear it. Uh, I came up with Mitch Richmond. Oh my God. Uh, I had, all right. I have two guys I want to talk about. Mitch Richmond was one of them. I think that was my closest comp too. Yeah. To Booker or to someone else? To Booker, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, the I kind of looked at the whole career. So, obviously, Mitch Richmond played longer, has, you know, more of that tail end that drags it down. So, the averages aren't quite as high. But especially points, efficiency, rebounding, they're very similar. I, I think Booker is a better playmaker. His assists are um, kind of consistently one or two above Mitch Richmond. Um, but in terms of effective field goals, especially adjusted for the era, um, they're kind of dead on on two pointers. Mitch Richmond, actually surprisingly to me, is a little bit better of a three point shooter, yeah. uh, league adjusted. But, and I didn't look at defense at all. I would imagine Devin Booker's a better defender than Mitch Richmond. Uh, but anyway, that was my, that was my comp. Yeah. So I actually put some numbers behind the two. I, I looked at several different players and I actually wrote them down because I, to give you an idea of the type of guys I was looking at, like I looked at your Richard Hamilton's, uh, and of course Booker does more with the ball, right? Than, than Hamilton did. Uh-huh. Well, right. In terms of scoring, I looked at Paul Pierce, Kobe, McGrady, Jerry Stackhouse was a decent one, except Booker's just better than Stackhouse ever was. What about Reggie Miller? I thought about that one, but then I was like, oh, he shot too many threes. I didn't, so I didn't look at it anymore. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. It's like just the game has changed so much. Like Reggie Miller's three-pointers per 100 possessions made is like 2.3, and Booker's is near three. So he actually wow. shoots and makes more threes than, than Reggie Miller did. Yeah. Uh, but not as not at as high a level. Like Reggie Miller, of all the guys I've talked about, has the highest two-point percentage and highest three-point percentage. But, yeah, the two that I came up with in the end were Mitch Richmond and and what I did was I actually looked at his first eight seasons. So comparing Booker's career to the first eight seasons of, of all guys. Can I make a quick comment on that? Yeah. I was, I was trying to compare by age and I was like, wow, Mitch Richmond's fourth season was the, the age Devin Booker is right now. Like Devin Booker's been around so long, it feels like. But, right. uh, back then when you went to college for so long, it's, <laughs> that was like early in Mitch Richmond's NBA career. Anyway, sorry. No, I just I'll, thought that was surprising. Yeah, I actually went back and forth on that, but I also had guys like McGrady and Kobe who came straight out of high school, and I, I didn't know if like by age or by experience was the r- the right way to do it. I, so I ended up using the experience, but yeah, it, it's kind of crazy when you think about like what age these guys are compared to the past. Um, but yeah, so uh, looking at Richmond, Booker scores more, thirty four points per hundred possessions versus twenty nine, both about six rebounds, both about seven assists. Exactly the same steals and blocks per 100 possessions. Booker shoots more threes. Booker, as you or as you mentioned, Richmond actually was a little bit better percentage-wise three-point shooter, slightly less on two-pointers. But you know, usage, uh, assist percentage is pretty close. Even like offensive box plus minus and defensive box plus minus are pretty close through through eight seasons. Booker's been a three-time All-Star. Richmond was a four-time All-Star by that point. It's crazy. It's, it is, I thought it was really close. The other guy I came up with was, uh, Vince Carter. Vince is a little bit bigger, did, you know, got more rebounds, a few less assists. I, I don't know. I, I didn't think that when it really ended up that great, but, uh, some of the numbers line up pretty well. But yeah, in the Interesting. end, like, I could see that. I didn't even think about Vince Carter because I looked at shooting guards, but, um, 
Yeah, Vince Carter makes some sense to me. You know what was interesting about the Vince Carter? So, like, one of the things I've tried to look at is, you know, accolades, right? Like, how many All-Stars and All-NBAs and stuff did they make? And, like like I said, Booker's been three-time All-Star. He's made All-NBA once. He'll be, do it again this year. So, we'll I'll call it two All-NBA teams. You think he will? I, I'd be glad to bet he won't. He I just think, missed so many games. I don't think he will. That's right. I was giving him – I didn't really think about it too hard. But, yeah, I think you might be right. But either way, let's say, you know, one to two yeah. all Vince Carter, the first thing I looked at, it was like seven times All-Star through eight seasons. I was like, dang, that's crazy. But he only made two All-NBA teams. Huh. Yeah. yeah Interesting. Just... I feel like there's only really, I wonder if it was like his third year. I remember that year when they went up against the Bucks in the playoffs. And I remember as a kid who was very enthusiastic about Vince Carter, I remember being incredible. But I feel like that was kind of the height of his whole thing. And it, it sort of... He kind of trailed off after that as he soured on uh, Toronto and whatnot. But yeah. uh, anyway, I, I it's interesting. I was going through – I'm trying to get rid of some stuff. So, like, after we do this, I'm going to a random uh, grocery store parking lot to sell some stuff on Craigslist, like some <laughs> a Michael Jordan Wheaties box and stuff. Anyway, um, I have some Vince Carter jerseys from my childhood that are, are next to go in my list of random stuff. So I was apparently quite enthusiastic about about Vince Carter. Well, I think that's how he made seven all-star teams and only two all-NBA teams, right? I yeah, right. A lot of us are. And, and to be clear, like, you know, I don't think that, well, I don't know. I mean, actually, we all associate Vince Carter with the dunks and stuff, and we certainly don't associate Devin Booker with that. But I think if you really, like, look at their games, it's not that different in terms of shooting and, like, where they're getting their shots and stuff. It's just in our in our minds because of the dunk contest and, all, and some of the in-game dunks that Vince pulled out, like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think Booker's nearly as athletic, but in terms of what they do in the games, I think you're right. I yeah. think Booker's a better passer. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I agree with that as well. All right. Well did you did you get a chance to look at uh Jaron Jackson at all? I didn't. I when you even told me that as a comp, I was like, there's no one from the nineties like that and I, I lost hope. So I'm excited to hear what you say. It's it was extremely difficult and I think he's probably better than Everybody that I'm going to talk about except for one, uh, I looked at a whole bunch of guys. Like, basically, the first thing I was looking for is, like, dudes who block a lot of shots and shoot threes. And it's really pretty difficult to find that, you know, from the 90s when you've got the Robinsons and Hakeems and Shaqs and all those kind of guys, right? Like, there was just so much pure post that there wasn't a lot of guys that shot threes. In addition to the game just not being conducive to – spreading the floor and having your your four or your five out on the three-point line. So it was kind of difficult to find. Um, there were a few guys that that kind of came to mind. Part of this was just what I came up with in my head that I wanted to look at, and part of it is, like, looking at trying to find st- similar stats. Few The first two guys I looked at were, like, Rasheed Wallace and Chris Weber. I don't, I don't think either one of them are really perfect comps. Um, and, in fact, I, I wouldn't even say that it's the right – like, I didn't even end up using him to give my, quote, answer. But, you know, Rasheed never scored as much as Jaron Jackson did, which is surprising to me. Oh, that does surprise me. Yeah. But from a rebound perspective, like assists, which, you know, I don't think you're really thinking much. Now, Weber's a different story. Like, he was a great passer, and his assists per 100 possessions and all that stuff, like, proved that. But thinking of Rasheed, you know, he really didn't shoot as many threes especially early in his career, he kind of started ramping that up like around the seventh or eighth season, but at first he wasn't shooting that many. I feel like for his era, though, I think of him as shooting a lot of three-pointers as a big man. I do, too. For, for that era. And he did, especially like later in his career, just at the beginning, like it was it was a little bit less so. Okay. Um, And when I say beginning, I mean like first six or seven years. Like his, he really started ramping up the three the three-point attempts like basically in year seven. Okay. Weber also shot some threes. There was a couple of years where he took and made a decent amount, but actually he did, he did the other thing. He actually stopped after a while uh, hmm. and really never a, a volume shooter from outside or anything. And again, totally different players, but as far as like getting some blocks, he did some of that, but it's funny. Like, I think if you take the best version of these two guys and put them together, this is what I kind of came up with. All right. So it's going to sound bad, but, but it, I don't mean it to be bad. Clifford Robinson was okay. like most people think of him like he was basically a three. I think maybe if he played today, he'd certainly be sized up and playing the four. But yeah. 
He was 6'10. JJ, uh, Triple J is 6'11. Uh, he shot threes and blocked shots and made two all, def- all defensive teams. His points per 100 possessions was like 26 compared to Jaron Jackson's 29. Rebounds about the same, assists about the same. Uh, he didn't block as many shots, but he did block shots like at a decent rate. He made threes at a decent rate. Um, that, that was actually a pretty interesting, com- uh, comp. But I, I certainly think Jaron Jackson's probably better than Clifford Robinson. Um, and the other guy, the other guy too is Rafe LaFriends. <laughs> That's insulting. Okay. But this is, this is what I'm saying. Like, I think if you take, so, uh, Robinson is more of a three. LaFriends is more of a five, right? If they put them together, like melded those two guys together, the best versions of those two guys together, I think, I think you kind of come up with, uh, Jaron Jackson. Like take the defense from Robinson, some of the 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 offensive game stuff from LaFrenz, and the the shooting of Robinson. I don't know. Those are the two that that I really came up with. But it was it was extreme. I will say all of this to say it was extremely tough. Like no one really played like that back then. I wonder, like if you just sort of again, I keep coming back to Garnett, but I wonder if you kind of, I don't know. Like he he took a lot of jump shots, but not to the point of Jaron Jackson, I guess, but. Uh, I, I would think that now Kevin Garnett would kind of play like a higher usage Jaron Jackson. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, he, he didn't actually take threes probably at all in the NBA, but I, I feel like he could have. I wonder if David Robinson could have. In my mind, he, um, shot free throws really well. I bet now he would shoot three pointers. I guess he was only like 75% on free throws. Yeah. So it was, but it, that was a very difficult, a very difficult one. Yeah. I, I like the, Uncle Cliffy one. That's good. He was good. Yeah, he was. I don't think, like you said, I don't think he was quite Jaron Jackson good, but I, I think it's hard to find very good analogies since just with how the NBA has changed. So I like that. The evolutionary Cliff Robinson. Yeah. And, and again, you know, to be clear, I think I, like you just said, I think he's better. Um, but, but I, I think it's pretty close. Yeah. I like that. Interesting. Does that mean that I should not be investing in Jaron Jackson if, uh, that's the best analogy you can come up with? No, I think he transcends these things, right? Like, I think he's got potential to, to score like, you know, whoever, score like Weber and, and I, I don't know. No, I think, uh, I think he's an interesting player to, to look into right now. Yeah. He's kind of got that, you know, I wouldn't have thought this, but he's kind of got the really stoic sort of demeanor on the court, which I think of the Grizzlies not being that way, but. Him specifically, he he's much more stoic than the rest of them. So that surprises me for some reason. Yeah, it's like a counterbalance. Yeah, I I think that team needs that. <laughs> yeah. Did you yeah. see Dylan Brooks's interview? Yeah, what a clown. Yeah. But funny, but yeah, I did see it. This is the only hope. Hopefully, the only week in my life I'm going to be cheering for Dylan Brooks. It's it's a rough experience. I, I, I'm not there yet. I don't think. You're not. I oh, I can't stand the Lakers. So I'm I'm cheering for Dylan Brooks. Yeah, I, I don't really care that much, but I'm, I'm certainly not like cheering for them. I just want to see good games when I want to watch them. Yeah, I, I usually am not a Memphis guy, but I, I'm even more so not a Lakers guy. So let's go, Dylan. <laughs> well, uh, I'm curious. So I, I put an episode out like looking at rookie guards from this year's class. So did you have any thoughts on that? I feel like my thoughts were that even though you are looking at adjusted numbers, I still feel like there's something lost in translation in terms of like how the NBA has changed. So to c- compare, you know, to compare any of these guys to Westbrook or to, I forget some of the other players you mentioned, it seemed very optimistic to me, but, but also I'll um, admit my biases that I'm, I'm kind of meh on this whole rookie class. But well, I, I remember that being a takeaway as you, as you compared them, you know, you, you also had the low end comps, but the high end comps seemed, seemed too much to me. Well, I'll tell you the thing that, that really stuck out to me, like even when, when thinking about those high end ones is like, there's been very, very few rookie guards, at least the ones that I considered guards in my like sample that were really great as rookies. Like even, even the high end guys, like most of them just weren't. Yeah. A good, yes, you know, all in, all rookie team, yes, but in terms of like being just 
the best versions of themselves from year one, it just never happens. Yeah. Even yeah. Westbrook years, like, well, I mean, I don't know. I guess you can b- debate if Russell Westbrook is or was ever great, but even then, like, he wasn't great as a rookie. Uh, DeMar DeRozan wasn't great as a rookie. Even the high-end ones just weren't, like, there, there's no, it's not like, uh, they grew into it, right? And that's, and that's, I guess, what I was trying to get as, like, can yeah. we potentially grow into that yes or no, right? Well, then not to discredit the whole thing, but do you think we can make anything from rookie numbers then of guards? Like, if, if it's basically they're all going to have terrible statistics as a rookie, then we can only retroactively have any kind of uh, insight on them, don't you think? Other than from like a scouting perspective, that wouldn't have much to do with stats. Well, yeah, I mean the the whole, but the whole thing, or at least in my mind, and I don't think it's come across very clearly because I just am not not as articulate as I like to think I am. But like for for me, it's like, what is their profile, right? I mean, whether or not they reach a what what type of player are they? What type of guard are they? You know, how much of the ball do they see? Like, where do they get their shots? Where are they most effective? I think those things probably, yes, they, they can improve or change, you know, over time. But, you know, I, I just think, like, if if I just tell you, like, Jaden Ivey plays, like, or has similar numbers to Steve Nash, like, you'd be like, okay, that, that doesn't make any sense. I just don't see that at all. But if yeah. I tell you similar to Jalen Suggs and Russell Westbrook, I think you can get of, like, the mold. But but I will I will concede like half of this is just uh, in some ways maybe just vanity right like it's just fun. <laughs> no yeah I think it is fun and I yeah that makes sense you're you kind of have some archetypes based on like the Jaden Ivy one is a good um, thought because it's like yes there is this potential for this dynamic driver probably never going to be a great shooter but there's also the downside of that like someone like Jalen Suggs we've seen that that does not a star make in the NBA um, unless certain other things develop. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that's helpful to sort of have your – because it's easy, you know, like you look at all these draft guides and it's like um, they comp everyone to whatever the best possible outcome is. But that's not how real life works. You need to have the top and the bottom comps in mind. So, yeah, I think that's helpful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, like I said, it's just a fun exercise. I, I, I have fun putting it together and everything, so – yeah. What I, I was surprised at the end, you kind of came to where you didn't think any of them were necessarily good investments, but I was sort of surprised your outcome wasn't that Jalen Williams is a good buy. Yeah. I, well, okay. I, I've said this before, but you know, I saw Jane, Jalen Williams in person early, early in the season. It was actually like the, I don't know if everybody else remembered this, but there was a game that the Thunder came back from. I think it was like they were down 14 with like, four minutes to go or something like that and came back and beat the Mavs. And it actually is probably the thing that ended up keeping the Mavericks out of the playoffs. Um, and I, and Jalen Williams then didn't even have a big game, but I just was watching him and he just kind of knows what to do and where to, where to be, you know? Yeah. And um, there's two of them out there. So that helps too. <laughs> yeah. But and, and like, he's got long arms and he's athletic and he runs the break. Like he just kind of does everything. I don't know. If, and I said it then, I don't know if he'll ever be a star. And I think that's probably true still. Despite his, you know, really strong rookie season, I don't know if he'll ever be a star, but I do think that he'll be a contributing player to like winning basketball for a long time. Yeah. And, but I just don't know if that like really makes hard perspective, especially when he's like the second most or like second or third most like highly priced rookie from in the card market right now. Yeah. He doesn't even look like a guard to me, but is that, is that well, what he's classified as? Well, that's kind of what I, at the very beginning, I kind of go through. So, like Benedict Matherin, I didn't count him as a guard, but I did count Jalen Williams. So, like, there's some subjective subjectivity there, and especially on on Oklahoma City, like on offense. I mean, you've got Giddy and Shea who are handling the ball most. He's probably not a guard there. Maybe he's not a guard at all. Maybe, maybe it would have been better to do him in in the forward forward. Well, I don't know because what's what's a Josh Giddy? I don't know. Yeah, right. Ex- exactly. That's why. It was kind of subjective. I actually, I started putting together the forward and big stuff and I actually put him in there just to see, but I haven't, I haven't completed the analysis yet, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's not a guard, but I, I thought it was interesting because the comps were quite different. Th- that one was uh, Jalen Brunson and Jared Culver. <laughs> yeah. I remember being surprised by Jared Culver coming up at all. 
I wish I could show, like, you know, I don't have a YouTube stream or anything, but I wish I could actually just, like, clearly kind of show what I was looking at. But seeing, like, where they get their, where Culver and Jalen Williams get their shots, how much of the ball they have from a usage percentage, from a turnover rate, from an assist rate, it's, like, identical. It's crazy. Huh. Except that Jared Culver was not in any way good and, Jalen Williams is basically good from everywhere. Yeah. It, it was a, it was, it was crazy. Here's the thing I remember wondering, and, and I feel like you look at this a lot and I don't tend to. So if you always look at per 36 stats, but like Jalen Williams is actually playing 33 minutes and Jared Culver is playing 12 minutes, is that really the best way of looking at it? Like, cause at some level, if you yeah. can't play more minutes, that has to matter, right? So I don't know, but I, I get that it makes the best comparisons, but I also wonder, like, if there should be some sort of depreciation on the stats for someone who doesn't play nearly as much. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think that's totally fair. Uh, I just, uh, maybe there should be, uh, I just kind of made a choice, like, which, which would I prefer to compare? What is my goal? If my goal is to try to figure out, like, how do they play, right? Or like, what, archetype are they in I, I guess i'll probably find a way to get the numbers close to equal but but i think that's like the, i didn't even do anything on uh like johnny davis specifically because he just can't get on the court and i think my comment was like yeah yeah i don't really know what what that says about him but it, it can't be anything good if he can't get on the court, court for like a you know average to below average team the wizards are remarkably consistent at drafting these underwhelming wings yeah, actually, I've had this thought. So moving out of this, I actually had this thought. Like, I wonder if we could go back and look at, like, Laurie Markinen and, you know, whoever else kind of broke out this year, Shea or, or whoever. And not Shea because we kind of saw that coming. But, like, Markinen, you know, until the summer and then even really until the Jazz started playing, I don't think most were saw this from him, right? Like, No, no, no way. As a Bulls fan, I can say no way. Okay, perfect. So then, like, I, w- I was wondering, like, what what could we have looked at to to try to identify that? And I'm wondering if, like, Rui's breakout, right? Not breakout, but his improvement um, since he's been with the Lakers. I wonder if this is one of those things where it's like, after a few years, you know, now instead of being 20, he's 23 or 24, and got more experience and really ready to kind of take a leap. Yeah, look at to find those like really deep cuts. Um, yeah. I don't know. Did, I don't... did Rui actually improve during the year or is it just these two games? Like, was he better with the Lakers? I honestly have no idea. And it may just be these two games. Um, but who knows? Maybe because it's like, it's like, um, marketing, you know, like, I don't think he really improved last year with Cleveland, right? But yeah. And... Yeah. The only thing I know with him is he played in like the Euro Cup or whatever and was really awesome over there. So that was the only kind of warning I think that we could have had. But that's such a narrative based one. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So I don't know what the answer is. It's something I've been kicking around, like if, if yeah. yeah, to try to identify those, those kind of like deep cuts. That'd be um. You mentioned that at some point you might go on Gary's pod, the Hoops and Card Cards pod. Be interesting to talk about that with him because I feel like, especially a couple of years ago, he really nailed the Garland and Maxi thing. So I wonder wonder what he's looking at for those kind of um, speculative uh, buys. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Because that's not really, you know, I'm buying Keith Van Horn over here. That's not really my thing. Uh, you know what's funny? Like, um, actually, him and uh, Jordan Poole, now one of those has kind of really seemed to work out, and one of them maybe a little bit less so. But, like, Garland's rookie season, talking about rookie guards, was just awful. Like, all yeah. of them, that was so bad. Yeah. No, I remember that. I remember he was kind of a narrative-based one for me that I started getting optimistic, which this is probably really stupid, but I remember Steph Curry saying, that's the guy, and I was like, oh, I, I trust Steph Curry. <laughs> and and I started to, started to buy a few of his things, which probably usually doesn't work out. I feel like players are not very good scouts usually, but in this case, he was right. Yeah, yeah, that's that was uh, that's one I remember too. I think that's well, one, that's just pretty cool, right? If I'm Darius Garland and I hear Steph saying that, like, even so early in his career, like, that's pretty it's pretty neat. Yeah. I like it when players do that. Kevin Durant does that a lot. I like how he kind of 
he seems to just be a nerd about basketball and he watches even like prep stuff and uh, gives his blessing to certain players. I think, I think that's pretty cool. Well, go, you know, going back to Mobley, like you, did you see Giannis say, I guess it was a month or two months ago, like he could be better than me. Uh, I did see that headline. I didn't actually read about it, but yeah, I don't, I don't believe that, but I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, have you been like following, like, is there any industry, you know, card industry stuff that you're, you're interested in lately? Hmm. Card industry stuff. I've sort of been watching some of the new products that have come out. Like, um, I bought into a contenders break really cheap. Like if I ever buy into a break, you can just bet on it being really cheap, but, um, regretted it, of course. But, uh, mm-hmm. I kind of, I sort of like the contenders set this year. Um, I kind of, I mean, historically, I love Court Kings. I think they're trying their best to drive me away from it with all the sticker autos and getting rid of some of the case hits that I thought were cool. And um, anyway, so usually I'm a Court Kings guy, but I I wasn't as interested in that this year. Um, I'm kind of interested in this Tops thing, Tops saying they're releasing basketball this year. I assume it's just some unlicensed thing, but... Maybe they're going to work out something with Panini. But anyway, those are the only kind of industry things I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't have much. Like I don't, I don't know. I, I sometimes find it difficult to like comment on that stuff because oh, I'm just a participant, you know, like I'm not an insider. I don't have a shop or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't do breaks. I don't buy hobby boxes. Like, although I will tell you, I, I was definitely for the first time in a long time on one of the, the big like, you know, box retailers trying to look at different prices of different hobby boxes and stuff or T-Mall boxes or whatever. Oh, yeah. What were you looking at buying? Well, there was a court, there was a court Kings one, uh, from a couple of years ago. I think it was the 2020 class. That was a couple of hundred bucks. There's a, I think it was an obsidian T-Mall. I don't know. Like I basically, I just went to like Dave and Adams and went to their sale, their sale section and was just looking at a few things. Was, there's a, there's a few things that are available from like a hundred to two to three hundred dollars that like piqued my interest, but I have not and probably almost certainly will not like buy anything. But yeah, it definitely those, those are it. tough ones because it's basically aren't both Obsidian and Court Kings. You're basically getting like twelve cards for whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, or or I think one of them six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's scary. <laughs> I've never done it too. Like, and I kind of want to. I want that experience, but then again, I, I just know like how it's going to go and I know that it's going to, like, I'm going to end up immediately regretting it just like I have with every single break I've ever been in. Yeah. As you get your Devin George sticker auto. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But exactly. it's numbered out of 49, man. But yeah, that'd be fun. I, <laughs> I just don't like my hobby funds are limited enough that I, I can't do it, but it would be fun if I had more unlimited funds. Yeah, I've been not saving my money, but I've been directing my money towards this, this like idea of like potentially buying and cracking some stuff, which I don't know. Like I've been trying to put some, some stuff together on a spreadsheet to see, like to calculate potential ROI and like be like super cautious about it and make sure I'm not, you know, overspending and the downside risk isn't too bad and all that stuff. Like I haven't really come up with much, but it's been, it's been one way to, and, in some ways, it's been taking up time in the hobby without me actually spending stuff. Because <laughs> you're just in the research phase? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but then, of course, that means that I may end up bidding, or I have been bidding on a bunch of stuff, but only up to the price that I'm comfortable with, and it never goes to that to that price. But Yeah. Yeah, I've looked at this spreadsheet that you've come up with. It, it overwhelms me a little bit, and it's just grading is enough of a something that I feel is outside of my uh, expertise that I... I'm probably not going to do anything with it, but it, it is interesting for sure. Yeah. Well, I really want to give it a shot, but uh, only, at, like I said, only at a, at a floor and a potential ROI, like at a pot- potential margin. That's like enough for it to be worth it. I'm not trying to like lose a bunch of money just to try it. Right. <laughs> so. yeah. And it seems like these are the kind of things that if you're patient enough, you'll probably find cards that fit the, that criteria. I think so. I think it'll so. probably take up a bunch of your time following a bunch of dumb auctions, but uh better than actually bidding on a bunch of auctions and <laughs> spending all your money that way, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I, I wouldn't know. I'm just apparently spending all my money back away after I took a little break. <laughs> uh 
Yeah, yeah. Are you are you still looking at stuff? Like how did that how did that happen? You said you you were taking a break, focused on your through the mail stuff, and then all of a sudden you've got a jambalaya. <laughs> yeah, I kind of my my parameters that I had set for myself ended, so I <laughs> I just went on the spree. I guess <laughs> I'm just like the '90s are here; they're ready for me. Um, so yeah, but I, I gotta say, like in both cases, the jambalaya and the intense card. I can always tell, like, as the auction's ticking down, like, if I'm starting to be like, oh, I hope someone outbids me, I'm, I'm regretting this, I, I know I've done something wrong. But in both cases, I was, like, super excited and hoping that I would win the auction. So, uh, at least I feel good about that. These are, these are, uh, cards that I love. So I think that's, that's where I should be going. All right. Good. Well, did you have anything else you, you want to chat about? We, uh, we mentioned talking about TV. Is this the, is this the time for it? Yeah, so what's, what's new? Uh, I don't, let's not talk about mine too long, cause we've, my wife and I have been watching The Mandalorian, but we're a few episodes behind. I enjoy it though, I think it's fun digging into the, I like the like different cultures and stuff, like the, whatever those like little tiny engineer creatures are, I think, <laughs> I think they're awesome. Uh, I like the little details like that in The Mandalorian, I think that makes it fun. Um, and then for some reason, like, we had taken a, I don't even know, four-year break on Handmaid's Tale and we just decided to crank back through that and that it's a painful watch I forgot how bleak that show is it's so artfully done and yeah and you know obviously the main actress is amazing but uh it is it is dark probably the darkest show I've ever watched Elizabeth Moss yeah especially in uh the last couple seasons you know that she's like directed several Yeah, yeah yeah I saw that I was like, how do you direct and have shots that are like two inches from your face at the same yeah. time? <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I think a lot of her episodes, especially, like you said, I think you said the word artful. Like I, I don't know anything about art, but I, I can tell you I appreciate it, uh, from a distance. Um, she's, she's a lot of the ones that have those kind of, like you said, like the really, the really intense close ups or whatever are things that she directed. Like that seems to be her style. Yeah. I mean, I think so much of it, like the outfits and they like to do like drone shots where you see a bunch of handmaids at once with like the red against the white. Like, uh, it's just very artistically done. I, I do feel, I have to say for my show critique here that it's gotten less and less believable as the show goes on. Like her being alive right now is just hard for me to suspend reality enough to think that's possible with all the things that have happened. I think I'm glad we're watching it, but. Uh, it can be a slog at times just because it, it's very depressing. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have the same experience with that. I, I like it. Uh, we'll watch it, you know, when the new season comes on and everything, but man, it can be tough sometimes. Yeah, for sure. She's gotten into very like psychopathic handmade stage at this time. She's just wanting to get vengeance, which is understandable given her trauma, but it's tough to watch. Yeah. What about you? You, uh, we were discussing succession. Yeah, man, I just, I don't know. It's so hard to explain why. I just love the show. But, like, not, there's nothing about any of the characters or the setting or anything like that that's relatable to me at all or most of the people that watch it. And not only is it not relatable, like, no one's likable, but for some reason, I, I just love it. I could it, see that, like, Breaking Bad, the the main character was a villain, but uh that show was great. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wish, I wish I could like be a true like movie or TV critic and stuff. Like I, I really, I'm just not that good at it. All I can say is it's like the, the writing in it is amazing. The one liners are amazing. The humor like perfectly aligns with my actual like type of humor. And then also I, like we just watched Whiplash. Do you know that movie Whiplash? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll just put it. I'll just say that it's like, it's an extremely intense and uncomfortable movie. Uh, but in a different way than, than most movies are. It's just more like situational, right? Than, than other types of like intense movies. And this is the same kind of thing. It's like every, there's, the stakes are so high. The situations they get put in are like just intense and uncomfortable. And I, I'm actually, I really enjoy that. Plus the, the humor aspect and, I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe like why it's so great, but I, I just love it. Like to me, it's bar none. It's the best thing on TV in the last 10 years, probably. Wow. 
What show do you think it's most comparable to that maybe I have watched? Kingman. I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, because I don't know if we said, but I, I've never seen an episode of it. So uh, I hear a lot about it, and I'm interested in watching it someday, but I, I don't at this point have HBO. Yeah, it's like, at first, I'll, t- I'll put it this way. At first, I thought it was going to be, so like we had watched Billions. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I've heard of it, but again, I haven't seen it. That one is, it's like rich people like kind of being rich and, and also sort of, you know, like having vendettas and, and trying to get, you know, one up each other and all that kind of stuff. But, but succession, I thought that succession was going to be very similar. And in some ways it is like in, in the sense you're talking about like the uber wealthy and like powerful people and stuff. But it's, there's just a lot, I don't know. To me, like there's just more depth without, uh, without some of the like fluff. I, I don't know. Okay. I, to think about like what what it's most most like okay cool yeah i'm interested in watching it at some point is this i think i asked you the other day is this the season or is this the last season it is the last season yes the fourth and final season okay i think that's um i think four is a good number for seasons like if the wire had stuck with four that would have probably been better um I don't remember how many seasons Breaking Bad had, but anyway, I think that's a, that's a good number. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I agree. And especially for this one, it's like, it's like, uh, I don't know, trading players and, you know, like I'd re- you'd rather trade them to like a year too early than a year too late. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's the same kind of deal. Like I would, I would rather it at this point, there's just so much good stuff on TV and things that I'm trying to watch. I would rather show in the season before we think it's ready to then go a season long, you know, and like to have a, a bad final. Yeah. Finale. I think, um, we should have a, um, TV season draft at some point. I think that would be fun. Like, would... like the wire season. What's my favorite one? Three or four. I would <laughs> have high in the draft and, um, well, I love. I love the West Wing, so I would have to think about what my season oh, for, for that would be. But um, anyway, I haven't watched West Wing in, in a while, and I will tell you, it'll be extremely difficult for me to kind of take all of those seasons since they're like twenty something episodes. Yeah, yeah, and there's I think like ten seasons too. Yeah, uh, but, yeah and I, <laughs> the West Wing is a little bit dated at this point, but I still love a lot of those characters. I just I love. One of my, the thing that I go back to on West Wing all the time is just the entrance of Jed Bartlett on, at the end of the first episode. Uh huh. Like the, the, is that when they're saying POTUS the whole time? Yeah, they talk about POTUS the whole time, right? And then, and then finally the last like 10 minutes, he just come and comes and like kind of wreck shop on, on, on a few guys. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I love that show. I'm always intrigued by how, uh, Martin Sheen puts his coat on. Have you ever noticed that? No. <laughs> yeah, it's just like really it's it's kind of like a Jokic pass or something. He like really threads the needle on how he like flings it around his body and and it ends up on him. I don't know, it's really cool. I looked it up one time. It's because one of his arms is like significantly shorter than the other one. For real? Yeah. All right. Yeah. You're learning things today. Yeah. Okay, one last thing. I think we should talk about board games. So, um, Settlers of Catan, is that your, you said you've been playing that a lot lately. Is that your favorite game? Yeah, yeah, it's probably my favorite game. Although I'll tell you, I'm in a, I'm in a hole right now. Like I've, I've lost a lot and I'm, and I'm not going to lie. I'm starting to get frustrated. I think it's, uh, it's certainly wearing my wife down. My cousin <laughs> has an attitude about it, but, uh, I've just quite frustrated the last couple of times we've played. I've, I haven't won in like six or seven. Oh man. And, uh, you're, like, you're like the Mavericks right now. Yeah. It's like last night my, my wife was on, uh, I, I don't know. She had like, be, because of the route she was taking and stuff, she ended up like totally surrounding uh, the, uh, the tile that had the, the number three on it. And for some reason, three kept getting rolled and she was getting like five or six, uh, ores or stone, whatever they're called. Yeah. I don't know. Probably four times out of 10. It was ridiculous. I got quite frustrated. But. I do. I do think it is a more for being a nerdy board game. It is much more luck based than a lot of them. Yeah, I, I well, I agree with that. There's definitely there's a a palpable element of luck 
in every round in, but but I also love that there's like many different strategies to employ and stuff and that that plays a part too. I think it's in some ways it's kind of the perfect game because it's perfect board game because it's both chance and skill based. Yeah. And in kind of correctly equal parts. The only thing that I would say makes it not a perfect board game for me is there are occasional games where things just go so awry that you have no chance. Whereas like in Ticket to Ride or something, you can always keep playing and sort of feel like you have something to do. There are times when you can just kind of get stuck in Settlers of Catan. And yep. I, don't, I don't love those games. Yeah, norm, normally, so we're playing with three players most often. And normally it's one of, it's just, if, if and when that happens, it's a situation where one person just runs away from the other two, not that two people are running away from one. But I've definitely been on the low end of that stick before, too, where you're the only one, you know, with, like, three or four points, and the other, the other folks are, like, nine or ten battling it out for for first. Right. It's, yeah, you get a little taken out of it uh, by that point, but, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, it's pretty cool that you're getting to play so many board games. I can't think of the last time in my life where I played board games really consistently like that. That sounds fun. Yeah, it's it's fun. I, I've always loved board games and stuff. And uh, really, growing up, we played a lot of cards, more so. And uh, the one of the games that we play, we, it's called Double Solitaire. It's like uh, everybody has their own deck, and you play together. Yeah, and you, you play out in the middle, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a speed game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that game. Well, my cousin just dominates us. Like, my, my mom and my aunt and my grandmother are all, like, all the women in my family are just incredible at it. And uh my wife whoops me regularly too when we played just her and I. And once since my cousin started playing, like w- we basically stopped playing because she just she just destroys us every single time. Huh. I like that game. It, it makes me a little bit intense and overly competitive, but I think it's fun. <laughs> when we uh when we meet up in Istanbul with John, we'll have to bring some board games with us. Yeah, for sure. That'd be fun. I don't know if he's a board game player, but we can probably talk him into it. <laughs> yeah, that's so. All right. Well, I should probably head to uh, some random pop- parking lot to sell a Wheaties box to a guy. Well, good luck if you if you if you run into trouble, you let me know. Yeah, if you don't hear from me again, this is this is what happened. All right. Well, well, seriously, good luck with that. I hope uh, hope everything works out. All right. Thanks, man. It was good talking to you. You too. You too. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. I'm so bad at this.